Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steiner Blondie. This is Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome back to This Must Be The Gig. I am your host, Leo Phillips. And if you're just tuning in, wait, can you tune into a podcast? If you're just clicking your grabby fingers on your well overdue for a cleaning mobile phone, hello, I'm here (laughs) to unveil my bride. My bride being the music industry and my veil being the questions. Anyway, (laughs) I don't know why you're not involved. Everybody, Adam is in the studio. He's just looking at me funny. You gotta say my name before I talk. Those are podcast rules. No, you gotta say your own. Name. podcast rules are We're, you don't speak until spoken we to. are at <laughs> who makes the rules i don't uh, make i believe the rules. that it was jesse thorne and jordan morris okay godfathers so, of podcast God, the, the godfathers so hello adam hello this is the world's greatest live music and performance podcast so what we do here is speak about the one gig that changed a person's life and all the spicings and flavorings around that idea. Am I hungry? Because I have a lot of food references. <laughs> that is the third time this I've said that. This podcast has got it all. Mentions of <laughs> Jesse Thorne spicings. Yeah, one stop shop. <laughs> Firstly, welcome if this is your first time. I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to welcome you with a nice high-pitched tone. What we do here is basically look into the music industry and how it works, but using beautiful memories to kind of coat that idea. So memories and experiences and anecdotes from choreographers in the industry, tour managers, bookers, artists, costume designers. Ultimately, we want to just document why people love live music and hopefully hear from you why you love live music too. Always give us uh, feedback. Tell us your stories. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TMBTGPod, TMBTGPod. At TMBTGPod. Let us know who you are and what your first concert was and why you went to that concert. Were you dragged there by your parents? 
Were you fleeing from your parents? Did you drag your parents there? Did you drag your parents there? That is usually the case, right? That feel, at least that like happened to me, is, unfortunately. Yeah. I had to take Papa Phillips <laughs> by the sweet hand. So I know that Adam is really excited for today's chat, and so am I. We love the very spirited and very brilliant Patrick Stickles of Titus Andronicus, who is my guest on today's show. I met him just before a gig in Chicago at the Subterranean. So you're going to hear a lot of clanging and keys ringing and furniture moving while the kind people who work there set up for his show. We're out of the studio this week. We're out of the studio. We're free. Took it on the road. Boy, I'm free. We are free. Why do I make voices? Maybe because Because of they're delightful. Because they're delightful. For Patrick, it was really lovely of him because he is just coming off the release of his album called A Productive Cough, which is a little bit more stripped down. And uh, is it stripped down? In a sense. In it a definitely sense. shows a much different side. It's not, you know, it's not the monitor. It's not a Civil War concept album. It's it's uh, much more personal and straightforward. Not to say that it wasn't personal before, but much, I think it's much only more, different. Uh, much more bare, let's yeah, say. Yeah, I think it's only different by comparison. So when you're looking at the rock opera, The Most Lamentable Tragedy, you would maybe say that, of course, if you compare it, but it definitely still sounds like him. A different perspective. So looking at the same picture, standing on a different, standing at a different angle. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, since debuting in 2008, he has been, I think, on Merger's which, again, this is also good to mention. He's part of one of our favorite record labels, Merge Records. Love those guys. I love those guys. Also, shout out. Whilst we're doing this, shout out to Mike at Merge, who I'd do the mouth trumpet with. Hey, buddy. <laughs> that was for you, Mike. This chat, what do we chat about? You definitely chat about Patrick's first concert. Mm-hmm. How he's changed over time in terms of relating to live performance. We're all getting older. I'll say that. <laughs> Is that just your... I remember my first Titus Andronica show, and it was very different to that night, yeah. personally. I'll just say my back was feeling a little bit differently. <laughs> I've always loved their shows, and I think that Patrick is just a wonderful and very open individual which is very lacking nowadays. And he was kind enough to sit down and chat about everything so close to a performance, which I always appreciate. It sounds like a strange thing to make a big deal of, but I really do appreciate anybody sitting down so close to a performance. He does a little bit of rapping. He does do a little bit of rapping. Which is good. I just want to get into this chat. It's a goodie. He's like rushing me up. I'm like, I want to chill. I want to hang out. People need to hear this. <laughs> they need to. I like how I'm doing. It's reverse psychology. It's working. <laughs> it's working. Anyway, here is us, Patrick and I. Enjoy. Microphone check, one, two, what so is this? Back. The five-foot assassin with the roughneck business. Are you rapping for me? Just a little bit. That was, that's uh, Tribe Called Quest. God, I love them. I shot them at, where was it, Riot Fest? And Sounds right. And half the time that I was looking up at them, 
I was just in awe and then somebody nudged me because I was in the photo pit to take photos and they were like, you need to shoot now. So right, I was just right. like struck by... Trying to live in the moment, greatness. right? Well, I did that when I first... That's not allowed already. anymore. No. <laughs> Trying to live in the moment. No, you have to look at it through your, through your device. Is everything good? How are you? It's happening I just, I just now? want to make sure that we... That, you know, I don't want to be encroaching on your time and space. Right, right. Well, I mean, this is this is absolutely my pleasure to do it. You know, I've long admired your work, and I really enjoyed the last Thank interview you? that we had. That was a couple of years ago now, though, huh? I had totally mm-hmm. forgot. Because it was so wonderful, I almost, in my head, was like, oh, that was last year. And Feels then I like checked. yesterday. Feels like yesterday. Then I checked, and it was 2015. Oh, my God. Where has the time gone? It's so long ago. That's a way of of slipping by, doesn't it? Yeah. I feel like both of us were at very different points in our lives. You were coming out with your rock opera. Yes. (laughs) That's correct. Which was amazing. I don't know about amazing. What do you mean? I mean, like, the laughter of a child is amazing. The setting sun is amazing, you know what I'm saying? Come on, the rock that opera was, was is nothing more than the work of human hands. <laughs> I was in Israel, living in Israel, and it was not a contentious chat between us in terms of Israel, but I felt like a lot of what we were saying, you kept saying how you couldn't really, everything you were going through wasn't as big as me living in such a... Right. Well, like I don't. I don't. Scenario. Yeah, I don't have as much to legitimately complain about <laughs> as the people over there that live with a lot of very real dangers. But I, unfortunately. But I feel like. What you, are we going to do to resolve those conflicts I, over there? Huh? I don't know. I, I mean, I moved, so I feel terrible. I've like left and left it behind, but I am obviously still concerned. But we got to move the <laughs> em- the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem. Apparently. I mean. They say. They say. I, I don't see how that's going to help, but I'm, no. not a, I'm not a politician. You're not? I feel like you're very open, mm-hmm. like you do speak with your heart. Of so course. I do feel like you could. <laughs> I saw a smile there. Why well, that's that. I mean, thought? thank you for noticing, because that is the business that I'm in. That's what I'm selling. Absolutely. That I keep it real around the clock. You're about to now play a sold out venue that we are actually sitting in at the moment. Yes. Is Although that? it is 375 <laughs> person capacity, Shh, it's not like we're playing at Soldier Field. Is that around we here? We could be at Soldier Field. Nobody knows in the podcasting world. No right, one. Right, but like I just are. said, I got to keep it 100 percent at all times, I know, I know, so I couldn't I lie to your podcast listeners any more no. easily than I could lie to my regular audience. <laughs> you don't lie to your regular audiences. Only my really? parents. Only. <laughs> I have to say that it was a joy to see that documentary. Oh, you like that? I absolutely loved seeing your interaction with your mom and your father. And your father's words were so touching. He had this beautiful line. I wrote it down. Something about when you measure success by acquisition, perhaps. Yes, you're doomed to fail because it will never be enough. Yes, how true. Like, I felt like you were almost taken aback as well. Well, it was. It's a very, it's a very true statement. Mm. You know, my father's got a lot of, a lot of smart things to say. Mm. But you know, he's achieved a lot in his life, and uh, you know. But I guess no one can ever achieve enough, just like he said. Mm. So I guess you guys just got to learn to live with that 
difficult truth and adjust your uh, expectations accordingly. Take your own feelings with a little hefty grain of salt, right? Do you really take your feelings lightly? Do we need to do that is my question. Like, I'm not sure if that's the right, the best way to be sometimes, to always try and manage ourselves and stick within our lanes and not be, I don't know, natural. You gotta let yourself off the leash once in a while, right? Yeah, otherwise you're just beholden to this concept of you needing to always have your shit together. And I mean, I know between the two of us, we spoke about last time, not having your shit together can sometimes yes. be unbelievably, you know, advantageous. Is right. that the right word? I don't know if that's the word. Well, like Kanye West says, being perfect don't always change shit, bruh. <laughs> I'm saying Barack Obama had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. He couldn't go, <laughs> Being perfect don't always change shit. And if you just stay in your lane and do the same old stuff, you know mm-hmm. you're going to be Hillary Clinton. <laughs> This is what Kanye says, anyway. Mm. But he's from Chicago, huh? So timely or uh, regionally appropriate. (laughs) But how do you really know when you're being effective? Like, how do you know that what you're doing is reaching the right people in the right manner and in the right way? How do you like? How do you check yourself? Almost staying away from the internet could probably help with that. (laughs) Well, you know, for me personally, at this particular moment in time, we're out here on the road now and uh, getting an opportunity to interface with the audience Mm. in real life, Mm. you know, face-to-face in the flesh Mm. meetings. And that's letting me take a little bit of a a temperature on how things are going Mm. as far as uh, the career is concerned. Because, you Mm. know, I got to serve my real constituents the audience members Mm. stay away from the internet but as far as like checking your feelings and like comparing them Mm. to uh, what we might call objective reality Mm. I don't really I'm I'm not exactly overstocked with uh, strategies for that because your fans are unbelievably loyal I think yes what a blessing (laughs) do you find that they want too much like how has your relationship with your audience shifted especially with your music shifting as well right there's always something going on in a, in a dusty corner <laughs> yeah it's hard to say because i'm experiencing it moment by moment mm. you know but like i said i'm very grateful for the loyalty and dedication that the audience has shown and i know that it is those people who are gonna really be the ones to support me as I further transition into being an old man. It you seems are not like, an old man. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm getting there. No, but we're you, all I getting think there. we're the same age, so you can't say that because then you're calling me essentially an old lady. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> you're, I but you're, but you're in the media. You're, a, you're a journalist. So what does that? Does age stop then? Am I, I mean, it's just am a, I it's, it's a. I, I well, your work is certainly timeless. Oh. But it's a different, it's a different thing when you're working in a uh, youth-oriented medium mm-hmm. like popular music, mm-hmm. you know. And as I as I get older, my role models become fewer and fewer. So it's, it's a constant uh, process of readjustment. 
But you can use it to your advantage, right? You can well, use the, this the aid great, from experience. The, great, the greats have, <laughs> but some others have uh, have fallen by the wayside. Yeah. And we'll see. Hard to say what's going to happen to me. But fortunately, like we agreed, I'm blessed with a very faithful audience. And they mm -hmm. seem to encourage me uh, to follow my ever-wandering muse wherever it happens to Do lead me. Do you feel there's been a shift in terms of how it's been received? Especially because you're kind of grasping this new, these new thematic depths. You've gone into this gentler, more introspective... Although your lyrics have always been about you. Yes. It's soft. Is bit of, bit of a right narcissist that way. <laughs> you bloody narcissist. No, but is gentle the right word? Do you feel gentler or softer? Or do you still feel like you have this fearlessness and this fury and this, you know, crazy fire? I don't know if I'm exactly fearless. <laughs> I'm as racked by fear as uh, any sensible person would be in yeah. this modern age of ours. But we know that uh, real courage and bravery comes not from the absence of fear, but the... Uh, the facing of it mm. and uh, the carrying on in spite of it. So it is a little bit uh, a little bit scary and to be going out on, you know if your listeners don't follow me on any of the social media platforms, you know, this tour that we're doing is an acoustic tour sort of. What does sort of mean? It's sort of because it's not literally acoustic yes. because I still play the electric guitar. Okay, okay. You know, I wouldn't be seen playing an acoustic guitar because then people would take this new gentler <laughs> direction guy? too seriously because I ain't like you said I haven't really changed no. I'm still trying I'm trying to achieve the same goals as I always have mm -hmm. and I'm just drawing a slightly different set of tools out of the box to achieve those goals mm -hmm. to my mind anyway mm -hmm. so that's a little always a little scary but uh, you know I gotta do it and I gotta switch it up sometimes because otherwise it's just going to stagnate, and I'm going to start pandering, and mm. I'm going to probably get bored. And that would be a disservice to my audience, even if certain members of that audience would prefer me to continue to flog the same dead horse <laughs> again and again, year after year. It's unfair, I think, though, to want your artist to be... I don't know just stay the same because we don't stay the same as no, fans I mean, nothing I does me. in this world exactly i'm completely different i could be a different person i think the core of me stays the same but tomorrow you can ask me a question and i can answer it completely differently to how i would have approached it today of course but well, nothing is permanent except impermanence <laughs> says the buddha Another Buddha. thing my father taught me, actually. I feel like he's taught you a lot. And I would listen to him because he's got such a calming presence. I mean, I don't... I feel like I'm talking about your dad, like I said, I've met him. But that documentary well, that was, was... That was sort of part <laughs> of the idea of the documentary. Oh, okay. But you're right. My father is a... He's a, a real softy. Mm -hmm. These days, he used to be more fiery oh, when he, he was younger. <laughs> yeah, but he's retired now. He's retired coming up. He's fire. coming up on seven, 70 years old mm, as mm. of this uh, as of this August. Mm. He's got a pretty nice life, from as far as I can observe. He's got a wonderful wife, my stepmother, who I also love very much. Mm. She couldn't appear in the movie, unfortunately. You know, she's a school teacher, mm. so she's pretty busy. He's got nothing to do. I mean, he still does some stuff. He keeps busy enough, but not too busy that he can't pop in mm. on his wandering boy <laughs> Be there once for in you. a while. Yeah. Your mom and your father, they just both seem incredibly supportive. Oh, yeah. 
they've always been that way. Even when it came time for me to uh, blow off graduate school to pursue this crazy rock and roll dream full time. Wait, weren't you going to be a teacher or something? That was my, that was my plan, yeah. I once read that long time ago. Yes. Okay, so that was your plan and then you decided to... Well, my mother and father were both educators, oh, as is my okay. stepmother. So, uh, I guess maybe in those days, I was uh, more concerned with uh, replacing them, as seems to be the child's job sometimes. Yeah. But boy, I tell you, I'm sure glad I'm not a school teacher now. Because <laughs> I would have ended up going really psycho. Do you think he would have like sung some of the syllabus to the class? Like, sung it back? Like, do you think he would have meshed the world of music? And with teaching, this is a very silly question. Well, I don't know and what teaching. I I don't know what I would have done with my frustrated, uh, <laughs> you know, musical aspirations exactly. had I gone down that career path. But it's for the best that I didn't. Especially yeah. nowadays, kids are getting crazier. Yeah. Every year. But when I was uh, preparing to become a school teacher, there weren't any iPhones yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and now these oh, kids iPads. are crazy with the phones. They want to look at the phones all day. All day. And I've got a, uh, I've got a few friends uh, who are school teachers now that are like my contemporaries, mm -hmm. and they tell me that it's a real problem with the phones. Yeah. They're doing very noble and important work, but better them than me. Do you think you're doing noble and important work? Not as important as. Uh, no, come on. Not as important as being a school teacher. But you help but I think people. I, I, I like to think that I do in my way. I feel like, especially with this new album and it being a little bit gentler, in comparison, it's still not gentle. I wouldn't want to call it that or soft. Right. But there is a part of you that you're showing that's incredibly relatable. I mean, I am. I am, at the end of the day, just another regular Joe. <laughs> and I do want my audience to recognize that. Mm. You know, and to understand that uh, their struggles and their mm. anxieties and frustrations are mine also. You said this is now your eighth show coming yes. up. Yes. So now Well, this is day eight, I day suppose. Eight. Okay. This might be, we did have one day off. See, there's more proof that I'm getting older. <laughs> Having a day off. Oh, I used to really <laughs> scoff at the day off idea and think that people that uh, took days off on tour were just... Mm. I don't know, impossibly lazy, <laughs> throwing money away. Yeah. Well, you know what Mike Watts says. He says, mm. if you're not playing, you're paying, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is certainly true. When you perform live, are you trying to get to a certain place still with your music? Because now there's a different intent, there's a different process, there's a different sound now. Well, I'm still definitely trying to lay my emotions as bare as I can yeah and in my mind you know the idea with this whole acoustic tour where we don't have like the drum set and it's not mm. quite as loud and fast as before I'm trying to make myself yet more vulnerable than I have been in the past you know to remove uh, some of my armor mm. so to speak so in that you know the process and the sound may be different but the intent remains fundamentally the same I mean, just trying to go about it a slightly yeah. different way and hopefully yeah. in going about it this different way and removing some of the aesthetic signifiers that are mm. traditionally associated with this band and this brand the intent will hopefully become more clear and be made more explicit in that documentary you said that your music should have utility yeah I think that's the word you used I, I right didn't... 
write it down, but I just that's remember no, thinking, that's, wow, that's, that's pre- really... That's precisely that's what I precise. said. Well, when I was a younger person, I would think about the question of what art is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, is art the thing that it is, mm-hmm. or is art the thing that it does? You know what I'm saying? Is it the thing itself? Is it the aesthetics of the thing that exist, you know, separate from you know the perceptions mm-hmm. of the audience living in like more of a world of forms perhaps or is the real value of the art in you know the the function that it performs for the people that are that are experiencing it and mm-hmm. that are using it and as an artist and a selfish narcissistic one at that i used to think that obviously art is the thing that it is because it's my little special creation and it's my baby. But as I get older, I realize that it really art, the value of art is in the, the function that it performs, in the utility of it. Imagine if it was the same thing all the time. Like, I don't know if you'd still be in it. The fact that you are moving and changing with it is quite extraordinary. Right. Well, as I've gotten older, the ratio has shifted in terms of, you know, what it is that keeps me coming back Mm. and continuing to put my nose to the grindstone year after year uh and now i find that it means more uh you know the service Mm. that i am performing means more compared to uh the pure enjoyment that i get out of it you know what i'm saying which is not to say that i don't enjoy it no absolutely but as i get older the the service component of it such as it is uh, matters more and more and that's more the thing that that keeps me going that keeps me getting out here to to meet the people <laughs> yeah and do the job for them as best yeah. i can and give and share right and open your heart but yes why do you call yourself selfish for just being kind of letting off your creative you know, steam. Why is that a selfish thing to be sharing your life experiences? And maybe that for you fuels a certain part of you and feels comfy. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't want to let myself off the hook too easy. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, I realize that it's less, you know, the, uh, the success of this project is less about me. And, mm. you know... That's it's less of a it's less of a win to say that oh everybody's looking at me everybody thinks that I'm great mm. you know what's <laughs> what's all this doing for my life mm. what feelings does this inspire within me when I get up on the stage or put a record out or something how does this this fluff my own ego mm. and puff up my own self esteem and I think more about what is the thing that I'm doing. Uh, make it happen for mm. the people that are receiving it the but audience you know yeah. people will obviously react to your music in a certain way that puts you on that pedestal and puts you at the forefront so i can imagine it's quite difficult to not let that ego take over so maybe calling yourself selfish is a good way to bring bring it all down as well yeah, i don't know we gotta try and gotta try and be humble there's, yeah. you know, there's plenty of people that say that I suck, so you know. I mean, both whatever. of us. They don't, they don't much come out to the uh, the concerts. Though, <laughs> yeah. So generally able to avoid them. But do you feel like the complexity of some of your music has been a little bit overlooked because of the loudness of the sound over the years? Do you feel like you screaming something versus you gently singing something has shifted the way people perceive your music? 
sometimes for certain people, certainly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some people that think that the music is just a nice thing to bop your head or to punch your fist to or, mm-hmm. or punch your friend's face or something. Yeah. Especially, like, within the, uh, you know, the so-called punk rock mm-hmm. idiom. Yeah. So a lot of people have, uh, you know, think that Titus Andronicus concert is just a good enough place to, to bash their heads. I thought and that. I thought that, that's too. That's fair. And they but don't I, necessarily take the time to uh, <clears throat> understand, like, the underlying yeah. purpose behind it. Or they think that the head bashing is the essential mm-hmm. purpose of the art. But I don't, uh, I don't necessarily believe that. No, and that's why I kind of love what you've done now. You're bringing it back to a place that's at kind of an equilibrium. So you're using so many different parts of who you are as an artist now to evolve but you're also saying hey it's not just about moshing and bashing each other's faces and bashing your face and it's not just about that there's so many more layers to it that head bashing music was a certain way to achieve a certain goal at a certain time and you know those people that do not necessarily approve or appreciate Mm-hmm. of the direction that we're moving in at this particular moment in time yeah. may just say, like, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's doing anymore, mm-hmm. or this whole uh, project is losing steam or losing the plot or something. But, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think that some of those people that are saying that, you know, never knew what the point was in the first place. Exactly. And so I don't necessarily, yeah. I don't feel the need to chase their support as much as I do to chase the support of the people that actually seem to understand what I'm in this for. But before most shows, I know that when I saw you last, which was also a few years ago, you always mention, like, please respect people's spaces. Like, you always are so conscious of the fact that people don't respect each other's spaces, and so... I mean, well, you can't miss it. No. From where I'm standing, I've seen so many horrors... Really? But you know what? It's like uh, it serves me right because I used to be into that sort of thing when, oh, I, was, really? when I was a younger person. Not not saying like I want to go out there and uh, take Round an opportunity kick. to hurt somebody necessarily, <laughs> yeah. and I wasn't as doing roundhouse kicks. But you know, I know that these people that make trouble in the audience don't necessarily want to, you know, do bodily harm to their neighbors, mm-hmm. but they're just being, uh, you know, self-absorbed and not seeing outside their own selves and not considering, you know, how their actions are affecting those around them. And they think they just have free reign uh, to do whatever goofy, silly thing that they want to, to act as reckless as they want because they feel like they have permission to do so based on the, uh, you know, their preconceived mm. notions of what is allowed on a, on a dimly lit mm. dance floor. And I just want people to... Uh, think a little more carefully about that stuff mm-hmm. rather than just blinding uh, blindly uh, accepting whatever faulty legends they may have uh, mm-hmm. picked up over the course of their what have you seen? I feel like show. I hate asking just this people, question just but just I'm people being just people being overly aggressive and, uh, and reckless and inconsiderate and ruining the good time of those around them have you ever stopped a show because you've seen something, like, horrifying? I mean, a few what times here and there. It's not like, you know, it's not like 
I mean, I haven't seen anybody like get stabbed or anything. Yeah. But you can tell sometimes, you know, you can spot these people that are only there to make trouble mm. or to, you know, be overly macho and aggressive. Mm. And you can see the way that their choices are affecting those around them. Mm. And like particularly, you know, a lot of shows start out with, you know, the front row is populated by, you know, the meek and the frail. And people with whom, with whom I identify a little more closely and <laughs> yeah, with whom like I'm more one. interested in, uh, in serving mm. than, you know, the jocks and the meatheads. Mm. And then, you know, as soon as the greatest hits start coming out, then one by one, <laughs> the, the meek and the frail seem to taper off. And pretty mm. soon it's just a bunch of like, you know, shirtless frat boys mm. up front pouring, pouring beer on each other. And I don't really care for that. No. And that's their business, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, if, yeah. you, if you want to punch your that's friend in the face, say. and your friend wants to get punched in the face, and you want to, like, shirtlessly pour beer on one another, like, that is your business. And I'm not, it's, I'm not out here to, to tell people what to do, yeah. or to be a principal or a police officer or anything. Mm-hmm. But, like... You have to it, be respectful. I, right, well, it's, it becomes an issue when these people start deciding on behalf of those around them mm. what the proper procedure is and how you know one is supposed to enjoy themselves at these mm. rock concerts and you know because they are the uh, aggressors you know there's not really an effective way for the people that don't want to be a part of that to uh, to react or to resist except by you know cowering to the yeah, back yeah by, by surrendering yeah which I don't which, is... ca- which I don't care for no, I I don't either. It kind of feels weird to be to have to just change the way that you want to enjoy and watch music just because other people can't behave. And it also feels like strange if it's saying that because I do feel like so often have I been in those situations where people have been pushing or kicking, and you want to just turn around and be like, "Be a human being. Like, what are you? You wouldn't fucking you wouldn't doing? do this online at the supermarket. No, and you wouldn't fucking do it. Like, if you were, you know, just out in broad daylight, you wouldn't behave like that. But right, or if you felt like you were going to be held accountable for your oh, actions. Yeah, like if your name popped up <coughs> on the screen, or if you went to the microphone whilst you were singing, or like. Paul Jones, you know, please right, report if, to... If only. <laughs> if only. I feel like now, in a way, because of the music you're making now, you're almost dictating a new kind of agenda, really. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it's, you know, uh, these acoustic shows that we're doing, you know, uh, there's not as many opportunities for that sort of uh, reckless behavior. Although there are a few, a couple of mosh pits, semi-ironic mosh pits have broken out at a couple of shows. But not to the point where I think anybody will really get hurt. Yeah. It's just people kind of joking around, just bopping a little bit, and I can't really get no, too mad about that. that. Yeah. And again, like, if these people, if that's what they want to do, and they have a, a affirmative consent has been shared amongst all the participants, then mm-hmm. by all means, like, they can bludgeon each other as much as they want to. Mm-hmm. They can get into, like, a whole mixed martial arts thing if they want, but I would rather they do it in the back of the room. Or not, yeah, not really. Or the par, the par, the parking (laughs) lot. I mean, I, I, you know, I really, it doesn't upset me to Mm. see two consenting adults that want to bludgeon each other do so. Mm. But what upsets me is seeing people getting alienated on Mm. the dance floor and, and, you know, a a non-inclusive environment being created. I don't like that.
Because I wouldn't want people to do that to me. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't want another's physical will imposed upon me. This is going to sound weird, but can you kind of point to a time when there was a performance that you did and you felt like everything was going right? You felt like you had achieved everything. Is there like concert or festival that you've played that you feel like they really just got who you were? Every show on this tour so much, so far, <laughs> pretty much. Um, I'm glad to hear that. But rock rock band shows, less so. Mm. Although we did a rock band show in December of last year in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I had to do my little speech at the beginning, as mm. I always do when we got to do the rock band and beg mm. for people to be respectful and get affirmative consent before they impose their physical will on another. And this time they mostly did. And I think maybe that's something to do with the fact that the whole... Uh, you know, uh, sexual misconduct fever was kind of at a, you know, at quite a peak at that time. Yeah. And I tried to, you know, make an explicit connection between that sort of thing and the sort of stuff that goes on Mm -hmm. too often on the dance floor. And I think that people mostly understood that. And I hope that that's going to be more and more of a thing as time goes on. Because it is, you know, it's much the same thing. Mm. It's, you know, it's unwanted, forcible touching and nobody should be subjected to that no that's not what they want no and especially in the context of your shows you know i just think that like it's just although you do get like hyped up in your live show you're no you're known for your live show and you are fantastic live but like it doesn't mean that everybody else needs to be aggressive if also if they just like listen to what you're actually singing about you know some of it doesn't you know need to have that doesn't need to elicit that emotion Right. Well, I I saw a great interview one time with the the piano player of the Australian uh, 70s rock band Radio Birdman. Mm -hmm. You know them? Mm -hmm. And he made an important distinction between, you know, he said that uh, our music is not aggressive. Our music is assertive. You know, we talk about things that we deeply believe and we present them in in a way that is, you know confident and uncompromising Mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that we are aggressively pushing our point of view or our values on the audience we're just making a statement as uh, loudly and clearly as we can and people can take it or leave it as they see fit so do you feel like sometimes when you are performing you have something to prove like, do you feel... Cause you sure, every time. Yeah. I have to prove that I deserve to be in, in this office into which I have been elected. You know what I'm saying? I have to go out there and, and, and earn the next time that I'm going to do it. You mm. know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, I got to do a good job in Chicago tonight so that I can deserve to get up on stage tomorrow night in Madison, Wisconsin, working to, to, to secure and solidify my legacy. You know, because the artist's yeah. artist life is a real blessing, but, like, you know, uh, it'll go away from me mm. as soon as I don't have the support of my constituency. When the people in the audience stop turning up to buy a ticket or buy a record or buy a T-shirt or something, that's going to be the uh, the end of the, uh, the this whole experiment that I'm doing. But only the end of an era. I can only imagine you'd probably keep pushing, right? Well, I hope you would. I don't. I don't have any plans to stop pushing exactly. anytime soon. But like I say, that's not a hundred percent up to me. 
the only thing that I can control is the the effort that I make and the uh, mm-hmm. the decisions that I make, and you know the uh, the success or failure of those uh, decisions and those efforts mm-hmm. is going to be determined by the audience, not by me. Do you enjoy being constantly on the road still? Like, is that still something that brings you a lot of joy? I don't have quite as many like romantic ideas about it as I did when I was a younger person Mm. because I am older now and I've done it for a lot of years but there's lots of things that I like about it and you know I like getting up in front of the people and uh, Mm -hmm. doing the thing for them and I really like to meet them before and after the show and get their testimonials and just see who these people are that I'm that I'm singing for and I do like that the road offers me a lot of much needed structure Mm. You know what I mean? That's Cause so strange because I would think that it would shift your routine completely. Like going well, it, on the road. It would, does, it, but it's so it's a different. It's just a different routine yeah. from the one at home. But you know, like I don't exactly have like a boss. You know what I mean? Like there's very <laughs> yeah. few people Nine, kicking me five. kicking me in the ass to do anything. Yeah. You know, because I'm the president for life of this business. <laughs> so when I'm at home, my life can can be kind of. Uh, you know, structureless, mm, mm. you know, and it's easier for me to float from day to day in a, in a foggy stupor and not necessarily always accomplish that much. But I like being on the road a lot because every day we've got a specific set of goals that we need to achieve. We know mm. the way to achieve them and they never really change, mm. you know, and really like the most difficult part of it all is just getting out of bed on time to get back in the car, you know, and that's going to yeah. be getting more and more challenging in the days to come because we got some long drives coming up. Have, but you know what it is? Yeah. You got to get up. You got to get in the van. Mm. You got to drive to the gig. You got to take the stuff out of the trailer, mm-hmm. bring the stuff into the room where you're going to do the thing, <laughs> set it up. Do the thing, yeah. The thing, yeah got to set up the little t-shirt store and then yeah. you know you got to do the show and then you got to break it all down and put it back in the trailer and get on to wherever it is you're gonna sleep and I know how to do all of those things yeah that comes you know naturally I mean? to yeah so it's not it's not even there's hardly like anything in, so, intellectual yeah, about it's it. natural yeah but tell me about your fans interaction like have they around the world especially because you have traveled all over but what oh, do you not exactly well, We've been a few places. Where's the best never been to place? Israel. Never you been to South been to Africa. Oh, never oh, yeah, even, never even been to Mexico. But we've been a few places, yeah. How much of there's the world some, There's some places that I want to go. But I'm also a creature of habit, and I don't like to have my habits disrupted all that much. Oh, yeah, I can, I can tell. So sometimes I get uh, slightly culture-shocked when I go to a place that's very different mm. from America. Mm. And honestly, like, Titus Andronicus doesn't do as well in countries where the, the primary language is not English. Mm, mm. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. if people don't understand the language that I'm speaking, they're like, why is this? Why, who gave this guy a microphone? This guy who can't sing. What the hell is this? <laughs> but if they, if, they, if they speak English, I got a, a slightly, slightly better chance. But I feel anyone can really connect, especially with your older material because it's punk and it's fun and it's wild and the new thing the international language <laughs> exactly well isn't music the international right language? but like the, the you know the, the appeal of this Titus Andronicus thing is not a 
strictly musical. You know what I'm mm. saying? Because I don't actually have any like musical talent, as we call it. You know what I'm saying? Really? Not compared to like you know people that that have yes, got it a lot harder than me. You but if we I'm compare saying? ourselves all our lives, then we will never be able to feel like we've accomplished anything. You have to admit that you can you can play music. Especially on this new record, I feel like I've never heard you singing like you are singing now. That's kind of you for noticing. I mean, did you? But have that's not that's not a that's not a huge hurdle to clear. Like my singing <laughs> on the first three records is disastrous. But you're feeling you're singing right, with right, your right. heart. Yeah, well, that's so, the, that's the point. Like it's not sing terribly. It's not su- no yeah. heart. It's not supposed to necessarily be ostensibly, you know, objectively beautiful yeah you know what i'm saying the, it's the it's, rawness it's the is perp- the beauty yeah it's the the purpose of it is to you know communicate a feeling mm. and you can do that you know there's some singers who can sing well and do that but that's not a uh i don't think that's a prerequisite no and, and there have been plenty of singers that have proven that before that couldn't maybe hang with frank sinatra but they can you know some people say that the measure of how good a singer is is how much you believe that they believe what they're saying. Mm. You know, so I think that I can, I can, do, I can, I can do that sometimes for some people. And to change lanes a bit, I what is the? I don't think we spoke about it last time, but what was your first concert? The first concert that I attended was the Bare Naked Ladies. No. Yes. Yes, it was. How old were you? Uh, it was probably about 12. Wow. Yeah. Did that blow your mind? Absolutely. <laughs> and I still love the Berenike ladies to this day. I keep a very soft, warm spot yes. in my heart for them. Yes. And, you know, people think that they're, like, pretty corny or pretty stupid, but they mm-hmm. really knew how to, uh, they really know how to put on a show. And that was really, uh, really fantastic. Like, if you could, I don't know... Snap your fingers, click those heels or whatever. I'm not calling you Dorothy. But if you could, you know, go back to the time, like the best concert that you've ever been to that changed everything for you, kind of recalibrated the way that your emotions functioned, mm-hmm. everything, what would that What would that be? What was it? Well, the, uh, the number one greatest concert on my list was Slater Kinney in 2003. Oh. At the Roseland Ballroom in oh, New York so City. So good. Oh yeah. Fuck. They are amazing live as well. It was really, really astonishing. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, if I could, if I could be magically transported back there in some sort of time machine, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't. Could it wouldn't be possible for me to have the same experience? You know what I'm saying? Because yes. that was a 17 year old's experience and and particularly that 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 day was um had some very uh strong context Mm -hmm. because that was the day of uh maybe you remember but back in 2003 it was Mm -hmm. right when the iraq war Mm -hmm. was about to start or operation iraqi freedom whatever they call it 18 17 18 yeah yeah i think we're the same age i was gearing up to turn uh, 18, 18 at that time yes, i was born 1985 me too all right are we gonna do <laughs> beautiful oh your hands are nice and warm oh thank you I'm trying, <laughs> you know uh, yeah, so that was the best. It's so I've never looked at it like that. Oh well, I mean, uh, like wanting I, to go back. And I not should being just able say to... that uh, 
that earlier in that day, it was February uh, 3rd of 2003, and I remember that, though maybe you can fact check me, because yeah. that was when they did the whole big worldwide protest of the Iraq war yeah. that was about to begin. And me and my friends who went to the concert that night also attended that march in New York City or that demonstration. Wow. So we were like quite fired up and full of beans from uh, being a part of that and seeing all those people mobilized for what we thought was a righteous cause. Yeah. So we went into that concert experience with a lot of uh, a lot of energy. Just charged up. Yeah. And rock and roll was, you know, quite a fresh thing mm -hmm. to me at that time and like, you know, kids that age like feel things on a on a lot more of a deeper, uh, more visceral, emotional level than grown-ups like us do, right? But I'm worried like, about that. Like, do you feel like we do experience... Because I feel like a lot of the music that I listened to when I was younger hit me so hard in comparison to how I'm feeling at sometimes in my old age. Right. You know, and it's obviously those are formative years. I get why it seeps down to the core. Yeah, because you never had gone through it before. It, and not exactly. to mention like the hormones and stuff that are flying at <sighs> that time. Like that. we're much more emotional creatures at that age. And you can't ever really go back to that. But maybe that's for the best. You know, we can try and keep uh, in touch with the innocent part of ourselves and, yeah. ho and honor you know, Who that part were. which is still alive inside to a certain mm -hmm. degree. But uh, you only get to be 17 once. <laughs> that sounds like a, a title of a song. Yeah, maybe. There's probably already... <laughs> there's plenty of songs about that, I'm sure. Opposite of that, so your worst concert that you've ever maybe been to... I don't, I'm sorry that I'm giggling, but I just feel like I've been to a lot of crappy concerts yes. that have... You know, there's this equilibrium. I've been to amazing concerts, but I've also been to a lot of shitty things that I felt either shitty things happened at the concert or it was my version of what I wanted it to be and what I wanted the artist to be didn't add up. My expectations weren't met. Well, I used to work at the... I used to work as a ticket taker at this nightclub oh, really? in New York City and, uh, you know, without naming any names... Because, you know, I don't believe in putting down no. the artist anymore. And, you know, I people, don't believe uh, in that either. I don't want to pick on anybody. Yeah. And, you know, uh, maybe stuff that doesn't necessarily appeal to me might be doing a lot of good for the soul of mm -hmm. somebody else. So that's not for me to judge. But sitting at the door at, at, a, at a rock club for four years, you know, I saw hundreds of bands that I, that I thought were just awful. But that's just that's, that's just me. That's one yeah, that's one person's it's, it's opinion. That's taste. one yeah, exactly. I mean art is inherently it's subjective. Right. So there's absolutely no reason for for you to feel bad about not enjoying a band, but have you had the experience of for yourself as in you've played the worst concert you you've ever played? Like has that happened to you? Or you've just well, I mean, things have gone south. There have been there have been a lot of a lot of crummy ones. You know, like for the first like five or six years that the band was around, like almost every show was terrible. Oh no, you really? Know? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't know what? What we didn't know what we were oh. doing. It didn't know how to how to how to play our instruments, much less tune them. Mm. You know, so much less like keep a keep a guitar pedal plugged in. So it took us about five years to get to the point where like we could do a show that was 
any kind of good. But, uh, but you, I guess we but we did something to make people believe along the way, I guess. Well, you learned, right? You learned how to right. play better, how to experience it more, how to, you know, not let it all get to you, your head. And, I, I mean, are you <coughs> still... Maybe this is a weird question, but are you still as excited about music as you were? Like playing those terrible shows, are you as excited now? I don't know if excited is the word, but <laughs> I like, you know, like we were saying before, I just have a different, a different series of things that are, that are keeping me compelled. So that's not a, that's not exactly the same thing as, you know, wow, rock and roll, isn't this the greatest? I still think that it's the greatest. Mm-hmm. But, you know... You're on a different I, path now, just for excited? now. Yeah. I get a little bit excited sometimes. <laughs> like, do you charge up, like, as you're going on stage? Like, what do you do before you go on stage? Because you seem pretty... Well, I gotta put on my little outfit. Yeah. Try to, like, stretch out a little bit if I can. Uh, you know, maybe do a couple of <laughs> vocal warm-ups. Yes. I haven't been as good about that on this tour as I should so my voice is uh, taking a little bit of a beating mm. but uh, I mean I don't I don't try to actually really think about it because once I get mm. out there uh, get out under the bright lights it feels pretty pretty comfortable mm. after all these years but if I if I think about it too much like oh my god it's almost showtime mm. that, that's when I could uh, get a little nervous or agitated so mm. I just uh you know, just like with the uh, the rigid structure of uh, life on the road, with all the mm -hmm. traveling and loading and stuff, you know, I just remember that I know what it is that I got to do, and I just put one foot in front of the other, and I don't really think about it that much, besides just knowing that I more or less know what I got to do. Like, you have a calling and an agenda and a reason you're up there, so that fuels you every day to kind of just keep going. Yeah, and just the experience that I've garnered from all these years of doing it, and I mm. just say to myself, you know how to do this. Yeah, You've you done this a thousand times. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. to fear. You and have, then, but do you have not. any nerves at all? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm generally a very nervous person. Wait, really? But not, uh, but not about the rock and roll thing. Yes, just, just about in general. like what is my life? What's going to happen? Yeah. When's this nuclear war going to pop off that we're all waiting for? I how am I? How am I going to feed my cats? How many cats do you have? Just two. Just two. That sounds yeah. like there's a one for more. Maybe someday. Okay. Right now, two is a two is a lot. But I mean, I don't feel like you're nervous. Maybe that's just. I Not mean, right I'm, now, no, because like I know. Well, I well because I know how to do this part. Yeah, this more part. Or less. This is more nerve-wracking than uh, than getting up on stage. Really? Sure. Well, like I got I got I got Well, that's not that's not I mean, you're wonderful. Thank and you. it's I not it's not, not it's not it's not I feel like you're wonderful It's too, not at all your fault and you're doing a lot to put me at ease more than most people oh, I in hope your that position. I am cuz I feel great. suddenly very self-conscious that you feel that you feel that way. No, I mean, no, but you're I get getting, it. I know you're getting me all wrong. I'm just saying the that this is like this is this is less of a one foot in front of the other situation okay. because you're you're stimulating my mind and you're and I have to come up with 
with with stuff on the spot. Yeah. And I'm not mad about that. No, to be I clear, but I'm just like when I doing. get up on stage, I'm gonna I know every word that I'm gonna say more or less. That makes so much you sense. You know, like yes. I I wrote those words uh, many many years ago in a lot of cases. Yeah. And it's... I might you know switch up uh, my my interstitial uh, jokes and banter <laughs> yeah. a little bit, but I uh, it's not it's not as much uh, in question. That's what I'm going to say to you about your 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 many well considered and thoughtful and much appreciated questions. I can't even imagine doing what you're doing now. Like if somebody had to interview me, I'd be a bumbling idiot. Like there's no way I could properly answer questions in a you know in a normal way. Uh, you might not be giving yourself enough credit. Oh man! But so to end, how? Do you, we live a good life, simply? Like, how do you feel... I'm genuinely interested to know how you feel like you live a good life. The best life that you can live. What are you doing to do that? I don't know. Is that what I'm doing? Maybe. Do you feel like you're living a good life? It's the best one that I have known. I know that's a weird question. I'm just really intrigued by maybe your levels of satisfaction. Well, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's how I stay. Good. That's how I stay alive. But I guess the thing, <clears throat> the thing that I do to keep going another day is just to remember that everything in life, like we said, is mm -hmm. temporary. Mm -hmm. And however you feel at a particular moment, that is just one moment in time mm. and I think that when you realize that then the difficult times get to be easier to endure because mm. you know that they are going to pass away just like all things mm. and it makes you appreciate the good times when they're happening and helps you to see how precious those moments really are but they're all just moments mm. you know but you're not you're not as um and still as you feel like you might have been in the past, right? Or is that just me? Like, do you feel like you're still quite anxious? Yes. <laughs> there was an not, anxious pause. Well, naturally. It's not so bad in this particular moment, yes. don't get me wrong. Okay. But in general, uh, no. My anxiety has not abated, and I don't imagine that it ever will. Yeah. But again, that might be the thing that's keeping me alive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're in the jungle, if you're not slightly nervous, you're going to wake up one night with a tiger on your neck. And who wants that? But you're still open to people. Like, you're still letting people in. Or do you still feel like there's a little... Just, you need that security and that... You need some sort of shield. And your music, I suppose, does that as well. Right. Well, with my music, I'm trying to bring people in, but I am also pushing them away. Yeah. I wonder how I can do more of the first part of that and less of the second. <laughs> but I feel Take like Take the you're... drum set away for a, for a year or so, maybe. Well, you, I mean, you're going acoustic, inverted commas, so that's opening you up into a whole realm that you never, you never opened yourself up to before, I feel. Yes, that's And not true. to say, like, I don't well, know. Well, I need to be continually challenging myself and scaring myself and giving myself new things to get nervous over. Absolutely. So that I can continue to to grow and expand. 
because I think Instead of being, just stagnating and shriveling up. Yeah, and being gentle... I don't know why I keep saying that word, but being gentle is kind of the most disarmingly and enticingly attractive qualities that we can have, I think. Gentle as in with yourself. Like, you can be crazy as a performer, that's entertainment, that's live. But just being gentle with your thoughts... I don't know, isn't that, the, isn't that a good thing to do? I would say so. I should try mm. that. <laughs> Maybe I will. Yeah. Just to be e- easier on yourself. I don't know. Right. You can't take it too easy on yourself, no. though. Well, that right. tiger's there. That tiger's right, exactly. Always. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and the Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com, Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you already Consequence Podcast Network.